And we're live with our 219th episode of Absolute AppSec. I'm Ken Johnson at CK Tricky on X, joined by my co-host Seth Law at Seth Law on X. Seth, say hi. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. Happy to have everyone um, back on. It's just me and Ken. We're going to be talking about all sorts of stuff. Um, just by way of announcements, we do need to put out there that DEF CON has decided not or to postpone the trainings in Seattle. So that is not um, happening in November. We'll let everyone know when they decide to reschedule those two. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on with it yet, but um, they have rescheduled for whatever reason. Um, you can probably follow DEF CON on X or on, you know, join the DEF CON Discord if you need more info on any of that. Um, otherwise, uh, Ken and I will be at LastCon in a few weeks. Uh, for anyone that will be there, we're going to be running a live episode of the um, yeah of the podcast during LastCon um, on Friday afternoon. Uh, if you're going to be there, you're interested in either participating or being one of our panelists, let us know. Um, we're just going to be talking about state of AppSec, right? Um, what things how things currently are going, what our current, uh, yeah, expectations are and what our current, I, I guess, analysis is, right, Ken? Like, I, I don't know. Is there anything special you want to bring up at LASCON that you're looking forward to? Yeah, I mean, uh, well, I don't know talk-wise. Talk I had reviewed the talks. Um, but man, it's kind of eluding me at the moment. I wasn't prepared for the question. My memory isn't. Of course you weren't. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. There's stuff. Yeah, there's stuff there. I don't remember what it is um, that piqued my interest. But the, the the part of the problem too is that we, you know, are not problem, but we've got quite a bit. Um, and actually, are you going to AppSec USA? Are you? What's the What's the deal there? <laughs> what's the deal there? People keep asking AppSec. me this. Global AppSec yeah, uh, DC. Yes. <laughs> I get asked about your itinerary too, man. People just assume like we're always going to be at the same place together. So I've gotten <laughs> asked in this last week, like five or six times like is seth coming and i'm like i as far as i know no <laughs> no he's not yes. going to that but maybe ask him <laughs> yeah <laughs> no but yeah yeah um peer pressure. yeah peer pressure right i'm not sure right now um yeah uh like haddix is asking if he wants to jump on if we want an impromptu guest by the way um as sure. far as global AppSec DC, I, it's it's up in the air, right? Like with the travel to Seattle, I wasn't going to make it out to DC just based on being at LASCON like the couple days before and family pressures and things like that. But now that that's freed up, it's it's in the mix again. So unclear is basically where I'm at right now. I haven't I haven't made a call one way or another, but it would be good to see everyone. Um, yeah. Uh, outside of that, I mean, I, you know, I'll be happy to have Haddix on. We were already talking about his cloud recon tools, so it would be good to at least touch bases there with him. I'm sending in uh, an email right now. Sure. Sweet. Um, yeah, outside of that, this last weekend, Ken and I were at, what, Texas Cyber Summit. Um, it was a, you know, I did a session on Saturday. And I wanted to talk about this for a second, Ken, on like, I wasn't sure how it was going to be attended. Like we've never been to Texas Cyber Summit before. It's a different conference. 
um, seems to be geared more towards kind of like middle management and, you know, tool vendors and other things right there. There was some good talks that went on. Um, and I did see some people like uh, short stack, like Whitney from hacker tracker. Um, outside of that though, I ran a session on Saturday afternoon. Um, uh, you know, I thought it was going to be just completely dead because right. Like Saturday afternoon conference ends Saturday, like right after the session is done. Um, and I ended up having like 10 to 12 people that showed up to do, to talk secure code review. And I, I mean, honestly, man, it was a really good, good session. Uh, like there was a lot of people that were doing code review, trying to build AppSec practices and ProdSec practices. Um, really good questions. Um, very, in, very good insights into like current state of AppSec. Um, they had a lot of questions around like threat modeling, you know. How do you know what you should analyze, what what code you should be looking at, and then you know how how to approach it? So I like I was actually pretty energized after that, um, considering where things were at on you know walking around the conference on Saturday as people were leaving. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was man. an interesting I, one. Yeah, yeah. I, I know it was just like you know you gave that talk um, and. It, it just felt like it kind of disjointed as far as like attendees, like technical to, you know, what management. And I know conferences try to cover the, that full gamut, but it doesn't always happen the way that you expect. So, yeah. It was a nice uh, hotel, nice venue. Um, but yeah. yeah, it was, uh, it was, I don't know, man. It, it was, I couldn't put a, I couldn't put my finger on, on what it, on exactly who it was catering to or um, yeah, like what, what, what genre of security, I guess would be the, the better way of saying that maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Right? Cause there were some yeah. pretty technical talks. There were a lot of not, I mean, or not, not technical. I'm saying like there was a mix of technical executive. There was uh, like you said, a lot of vendors. Um, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't like bad or anything like that. It's just, it was like kind of, it's just different. It's just different. I haven't been to a conference like that in, uh, in yeah. a while. So, um, yeah. yeah, anyways, it was fun. Yeah, I mean, we did it. I, I, yeah. <laughs> it was tough, um, <laughs> in a sense, cause you know, it was in brand new talk for those who don't know, like when you give a, so I gave a brand new talk, something I'd never given before. And, uh, when you build a new talk, typically, uh, you do that through, I mean, I don't know, Seth, you and I, you and I talked about this. I mean, we both kind of do it this way, which is you workshop it through meetups and then you go to maybe like a little bit larger of venues, but nothing too huge until like you've chopped it up and pieced it back together and edited and, you know, gotten it to like, you know, where like, you know what to say to get what reaction to, cause it is a presentation. It is a demonstration. It is, it is a, it's as much performance as it is informative. At least that's how I look at it. Right. So there is a bit of um, just trying to fine tune everything. And that ta- that can take up to a year is what Seth and I kind of, I think mutually agreed upon is it can take up to it. Like, so if today I wanted to build a talk and in a year give it, or even, you know, say nine, nine months, to 12 months from now at like a big stage conference, like, you know, like a DEF CON or an RSA or whatever, like big crowds, it's, it's got to go through that, that, uh, that cycle. So anyways, um, yeah, I didn't do any of that. I just gave the talk 
And I was so happy because the turnout was a little bit on the smaller end. And I was actually really, because my, my biggest fear, and I was telling you this, is that it would be packed. And then it'd be like, oh my God, I'm giving this talk for the first time. So uh, it was, it worked out well. Um, but, uh, and the, the crowd was good and everything, but yeah. So anyways, we have Jason waiting for us. If we want to pull yeah. Jason in, because we were, it's funny because Jason doesn't know this, but we were literally just uh, finding the link to his cloud recon tool. So we could talk about it today. So Really apropos that he 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 tended uh, <laughs> hey to to, to want to join. So really cool. Yeah. Hey, Jason. Hey guys, thanks. how you doing? Good. Thanks for thanks so much for uh, volunteering to to swing in last minute. Right. No, no worries. Okay. I someone posted the show on Twitter and or on X or whatever, and um, I was like, oh shit, let's let's go and see what they're doing. So <laughs> sweet. Yeah. Sweet. Thanks. Yeah. 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 Thanks. I mean, there was a, there was a couple things like Kid was saying, like the cloud recon stuff. Um, you wondered how that tool came about, and yep. um, you know, I, it's been a while. I think the last time that we had you on, you were one of our first guests, Jason. It was I, a long time ago, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to I want to say it was you know within the first ten episodes, right? Yeah, it was it was very early. You guys didn't have a logo yet. You were still working out. Mm -hmm audio issues um it was great <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> yep yep yeah yeah episode nine you wow. wow jerry neil right like yeah yeah it was good times though yeah. right yeah we we figured a few things out not many since well, then but but a few things right? <laughs> like, you know yeah a couple of things. Uh, it's a it's a continual learning process to <laughs> yes. make content for sure yeah <laughs> Yeah, we had we had recommendations even this week, right? Talking mm -hmm. to somebody else, right, about like different things that we could do. So, yeah, but yeah, they wanted to see uh, more about Roth IRAs and four hundred one ks, and uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna switch over to the Crocs and socks of finance, and uh, right, like yeah, that's you know, not a complete shift. Mine. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> come on. No. <laughs> what is it? Diamond hands, right? Like yeah, yeah. you just gotta hold. Luckily, my wife's an accountant, so she takes care of all that stuff. So, oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that is that, that that's some that's some yeah. good uh, yeah inside help, right? Yes, yeah. yeah, for sure. <laughs> Sweet. Well, okay, so there's a couple things, right? Like, it, I, I mean, right off the bat, we talked at, at, at DefCon a little bit um, mm -hmm. about you coming on. Like, uh, great job there. Like, I know you were given like four or five different talks between AppSec, CloudSec, like all the different villages. Yeah. Um, you know. How you know? How was your experience there? Like, would you do that again? Like, putting out so much, uh, you know, content during that during those three four days. Yeah, I don't know if I do it again. Honestly, I'm definitely not planning on doing it next year. Um, so I did seven seven talks total, I think, over mm -hmm. the week, um, and then like uh, I think a couple panels too. Um, and I think I did it, you know, because. Uh, my company I'm, I'm with right now, Buttobot, you know, like we don't have like a big presence or anything like that. Right. So, you know, yeah. like if I can get in and speak, it's a good representation for us and stuff like that. And um, so I, I did it for that. And then I also, every once in a while, I get a really big bug up my butt feeling like the younger hackers are outpacing me. And <laughs> I kind of want to like, just make sure I still got it, you know, is yep. kind of the feeling. Um, and so, you know, so if you if you are out there and doing and releasing and speaking and there's good feedback about it, then I feel like I'm still part of the game. So, um, but would I do it again? No, it was it was too much. It was way too much. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. 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 That's always. I. I mean. I, yeah. 
I know Ken feels the same thing, right? Like spending, I mean, there's so much time that you have to put into it to each of the different talks. And especially yeah. if you've got like different topics that you're going across the different, yeah. and then you're, you know, all the different coordinators that you're dealing with. Um, you end up living in Vegas for a week, week and a half, right? Yeah. Like, which is not, I would not recommend that to anyone, right? <laughs> especially being uh, on the strip, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't, yeah. I don't mind Vegas as much as other people. Like, uh, I mean, like, my my form of ADHD like overstimulation is actually my happy place so like the lights and all that stuff is like it's it's great for me but um but yeah it's dry and it's expensive and Mm -hmm. um and being away from your family that long too is 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 a hard deal so yeah yeah yeah. yep and that's that's traditionally where I run into it is you know after three or four days family's like when are you coming back and I'm like yeah another week yeah 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 for sure (laughs) Hard to, that hard that to daddy, when are you coming home? Call or that honey, when are you coming home? Call is the hard one. <laughs> like, yes. yeah, 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 for sure. Sweet. Not to get less difficult for my family because every time I come home, I seem to give them some kind of thing I picked up. Doesn't necessarily yeah. hit me, but I swear every time I come home, I like yep. pass they along get some sick. cold or flu to them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I've built it into the travel threat model to quarantine myself <laughs> for a couple of days after because it's like you'll get a flu, you'll get a stomach bug, you'll get something. And it's like, Oh no, I don't want to wreck the family. So yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. You're, yep. you're, you're, you're definitely smarter than I, I haven't, uh, yeah. haven't quarantined at all. I just, that's probably the yep. issue. Like, luckily I have the nerd basement, the nerd basement. Like I can just go down there and stay down there for a couple of days and we're, we're okay. So <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah, I like the uh, the DefCon badges in the background there too. Thanks, uh, yeah. yeah, very Jason, extensive. That's, that's good stuff. So along those lines, those though, right? Seven talks. Which mm-hmm. one was your favorite? What was your what was the one that you felt the best about? I think it was the Cloud Recon tool that we released that you guys were alluding to. Um, so, okay. and I think it's gone slept on a little bit, um, just because we only presented it at, at two places and. Um, but uh, I mean, the, the idea around the tool is, um, so a buddy of mine, Gunner, and I are heavy into bug bounty, heavy into AppSec and, um, and red teaming. And so, you know, uh, basically when you're looking holistically in a red team engagement or a bug bounty hunt at a wide scope company, like a company who has lots of external assets, um, there's two primary places where you're going to, you know, look for assets of theirs. One is their owned IP space which is their ASNs usually, if they're large enough to be assigned an autonomous system number. And the other one is their cloud space. Um, but there's no, you know, there's no great way to say, hey, what is, you know, what is, uh, you know, like Tesla, Tesla.com's complete cloud presence, right? There's no, there's no tool unless you work there to get it, right? And so the, the thing that, you know, most bug bounty hunters have been doing is creating tool sets to scan the entire internet using either forward or reverse DNS information or mm-hmm. certificate metadata. Um, so these are things like when you have an SSL certificate for a website and you make it in the OU or the SN or the SAN, um, you put the domain of your company, right? Even if it's a self-signed cert, you, you put the domain, right? Um, and so uh, the easy way to do this is to scan the entire Amazon range. Let's just take Amazon for example, right? Um, which is you know, millions of IPs, but scan everyone at an IP level, um, make sure they're up and then connect to them via SSL on the IP level. And then when they give you back, when they, you know, connect via SSL, 
and they give you back the cert, check the cert metadata and see what domains are in that cert. And then, then you can associate that server to a company that you're targeting, like Tesla or something like that. Now, to do that for the entire cloud range of Amazon, with a regular port scanner and then feeding that to other stuff, it takes a long time, a long, long time. And um, we wanted to get to the point where we could find what we call ephemeral assets, right? So like dev instances of software that get brought up in the cloud and brought down really quickly, um, you know, integration um, infrastructure that gets brought off and brought down really quickly to do like one operation on the internet and then gets brought down, you know, either via like, you know, some kind of containerization or something like that. Um, you know, things that were only on the internet for blips of a second. We call this ephemeral assets, yeah. basically. And yeah. um, and so there's been a lot of success in the bug bounty industry on finding these things if you can build the tooling to do it. But it's all been very hush-hush for a long time. Like, that tool set has been a superpower, basically, for a lot of people. So Gunnar and I wanted to build um, a version for everybody. So we built a tool called um, Cloud Recon. And um, it is just fast as all hell. Um, so it'll do exactly what I, I talked about. You give it any IP range. So it's not just for the cloud. There's other uses for it too, but we primarily use it for the cloud. We can scan, we can scan all of the clouds, Google or GCP, Azure, AWS, DigitalOcean, and some others in just a little bit over two hours, the entire range, all certificate metadata and dump it to a text file. Um, and then you can just grab the text file for your target, you know, tesla.com, mm -hmm. teslamotors.com, whatever. And that'll tell you the associated um, servers that they have on the internet. And a lot of times, as you guys are aware, when you know, you're know you building test infrastructure or whatever, you'll put internal host names in that certificate metadata as well, because you'll use the same certificate. Or you'll, you'll use one certificate for all your sites, which if I find that one certificate, now I'll have a listing of all of your domains as well, your subdomains for your site. Yep. So, um, so it's a really great reconnaissance tool. It scans, and if you run two or three instances of this on different VPSs, which you know the VPSs we're running on are not expensive; they're like twenty dollars a month VPSs. Um, you can have a live listing of your target as soon as they bring something up. As soon as some certificate shows up on the internet, you'll get you'll get messaged instantly, and you can you can go after it. So. Sweet. Well, and that was going to be my question: is like the the continuous monitoring, right? Like a couple yeah. hours feels like it's a that's a doable, hey, I just am running this over and over with yeah. a specific list of, hey, these, yeah, targets, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. What, am, what is it that I'm interested in? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, yeah. I mean, for years we've said this, right? That, you know, you put it, you put anything online and it's scanned within, you know, minutes. Oh, yeah, of, for sure. You know, people are looking at, at some yeah. of this, right? Like, um, sweet. Huh? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, like if you had some good success then and, you know, yes. getting some good bugs out of it or getting. Some oh, yeah. Good... yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, I think one of the bigger ones wasn't me. It was Shubs from Asset Note because uh, he's mm -hmm. had this tech for quite a while. Um, but uh, Slack, I think, as a story I tell in the presentation, had they had, they had some integration um, servers that were going up and down and Shubs had noticed them in his continuous monitoring and then he'd go visit them and they weren't there anymore and he's like, what is this? And then he'd have to catch them at a certain point of the day. Um, my stuff hasn't been from the continuous monitoring because um, I've been doing a lot of red teaming. It's been really valuable in the red teaming stuff. So yeah, um, getting internal uh, host names, getting just like shadow IT that people left you know, out in a reference in, in certificates. Like um, Also like part of the thing that we do is we provide that list to the customer of like everything we can find for them um, as part of the red team service. And 
they're just like, no, I mean, normally, I mean, you guys are used to this, right? They're flabbergasted about the kind of stuff that we find on the internet that they had no idea was there. Um, they're like, yeah, we had no idea this infrastructure was still out there, especially for acquisitions. So part of our process is looking at their acquisitions and their investitures. And, um, and when we run this against those, they have assumed that their IT staff has taken all of that infrastructure down for that previous company that they acquired. And then invariably, there is still a lot out there with data on it that, you know, they are on the hook for, um, but they didn't know was out there. So nice. You know, I yeah. did have, we had a red team doing something similar like that, but I, I meaning I don't, well, the, the tool, I don't know how, it, I don't really remember how it worked, but it was the same concept in, in the sense that like, I think it was like a, a Slack hook. So if any, any new yeah. domain popped up, uh, you know, any new, whatever, something service, it would pop into Slack and say, Hey, here's your, your new stuff that just yep. uh, propped up. And that yep. was helpful. I, I, maybe they're doing it the same way. Maybe they're doing some, uh, something different. It, either way, it's, it's, uh, it's, it was very helpful because that was, um, yeah, from a bug bounty perspective, it's not fun to like find out about new assets through your bug bounty program. Yeah, it's not great. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. not? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can hook our tool up to uh, Project Discovery's Notify tool, which is just a harness to message people on Slack and Discord, and you can mm -hmm. hook any command line tool up to it. And so, um, so you can do that, and when it finds a new asset, it'll it'll message you. So, yeah, sweet, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. I, I mean, it's super useful. I see that as like a you know one of those expansions on not just in the bug bounty space, but like you were saying, the red team space or yeah. like even from a, you know, defender space, like oh, yeah. blue team, like yeah. we should be running this constantly. If we're yeah. not, uh, there's going to be those gaps that pop up. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, the other one we did at black hat, uh, arsenal was called easy ESAM, which is more, um, it's more using different, uh, it's, it's using different techniques than the cloud scan stuff. Um, cloud recon, cloud recon stuff. But it's more formulated for that, actually. So it's literally one script that you run. It's made for IT people, not for security people, not for bug bounty people. But it uses a combination of project discovery tools, some scripting that we did. And you run one script, and it gives you basically a spreadsheet of all your assets using the common asset enumeration techniques um, that bug bounty hunters use. And so really, it's the beginning of, you know, when I talk to people about this tool, it's not for bug bounty hunters, not for security people, it's for IT to get a handle on what they have out on the internet. And that always starts every company I've worked with, making an asset inventory, at least an external asset inventory, it starts with a spreadsheet, right? Like, no one's using a giant platform to start off, right? It's usually a spreadsheet to start off. And then it's like, okay, if we have a massive infrastructure, maybe we'll buy an enterprise level external asset management um app or we'll use one of the um the frameworks that ties everything together like exonius or jupiter one or something like that or but in the beginning just to get a feel you can run this tool and get a spreadsheet and it has all of your assets it has their um tech stack it has the titles of the pages you can take screenshots of everything and it just gets you started with um kind of external asset discovery mm -hmm. and it uh, I was trying to find, is that in your GitHub repository or where's that one actually at? Uh, it's not mine. So I, uh, Gunner is, you know, somewhat new to the scene. So we put everything on his repo so he could get his name out there. Um, let me, Sweet. I'll send you the links. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, yeah, yeah. I've got him up. Yeah. Golden, go. Easy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll post that one out really quick too. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yep. Sweet. Yeah. Well, yeah that's so good. That was, that was the other yeah. one we did. I uh, did some panels and red teaming. 
um, war stories. So just, you know, just like your, you know, when you meet up with friends and have a beer, like you tell your, your good stories and that was fun. Um, and then we did, we did a new version of parameter data, um, which, uh, which was called sus params. And that was the other big one we did. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. What's, okay. So from, more about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Ken. Was, yeah. I wish you could ask the same thing. So let's talk you, about. Yeah, oh, sorry. Sorry. yeah sorry. I got excited <laughs> hearing that. That sounds cool. No, no worries. Um, okay, so so about five years ago when I was working at Bug Crowd, um, I approached Bug Crowd while I was an employee um, to do a research project with them on um, on parameter data. And so my thesis was that um, across vulnerability types. Um, they tend to, at least in English, in the English English language, they tend to present in similar types of parameter names um, or input names, route names, and um, and so I said, okay, I went to our data scientists and I said, okay, I don't want to dox our customers, right? So what I need you to do is to run the entire submission database, and what I need is type of bug and parameter or route only from type of bug. Mm -hmm. So they dumped that for me, um, and then. I was able to look at that and run, you know, just some quick statistics on what were the top vulnerable parameters for each type of bug class, and so that we called Hunt and we released it, we released it at DefCon. Yep. Now that was just the Bug Crowd data set, um, but it was one of the largest data sets I knew to work with because nobody else has that much vulnerability data in one place, really. Unless you're a, a dynamic scanning company that's in the cloud, that's the only other company, I think, type of company I can think of that would have that much vulnerability data. Um, and so uh, so we, we released that. And the idea is that when you're testing, you know, like like you, Seth, and, and you, um, you, like, Seth, how many times have you worked with a junior? And they're just like, they're just like, oh, yeah, how do you know that vulnerability is there? And you're like, ah, oh, I just... I've done it for 15 years. Like, I, you know, yeah. like, you know, yep. and what I was trying to, to think of is like, what does that mean? What does that, what does that actually mean? Like, to me, it's like, yeah, I just know because I've been doing it. But what it comes down to is actually, oh, I've seen that parameter before. And I know that that parameter or that route or that function type is usually vulnerable or you know, it's not usually, but it can be vulnerable to this thing. And that's that inherent learned thing. Like, can you, you run through this too, right? I mean, you like, like, oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, so and so what this tool does, what this tool did hunt was it would just pop up in your burp and be like, hey, this parameter um, redirect. Like, I mean, this is a stupid one because it makes syntactically sense, but usually it can be subject to redirect vulnerabilities, right? Or SSRF, so, you know, server-side request forgery, because it yep. deals with a library that has to deal with a URL. And our brains, having done this for a long time, we're like, yeah, but a new person they're like, uh, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Cool, right? So you're trying to short circuit that learning cycle. So we did that many years ago, and it worked out really well. And um, and then uh, I don't want to bring any drama on the show, but, uh, but then another project came out, um, which basically ripped off our list and called it their own project. Um, <laughs> verbatim, same parameters that we released in our data set. Um, and so Gunnar and I will like, we, we didn't want to fight with that person anymore. Um, and so we were like, well, whatever, we'll just make a better data set. So this year we went through and parsed everything from Hacktivity on HackerOne's um, timeline of disclosed vulnerabilities. We, ha uh, we pulled a large number of web bugs from CVE data um, and we parsed out their paths and parameters. Um, and then um, we were in the middle of doing XSS uh, com for just XSS vulnerabilities. And we reran, um, we did, we did it 
with some AI this time, which was super dope, um, some AI parsers, and uh, and we released a new data set. And so that data set should be under susparams under Gunner as well. Yep. And um, and yeah, and we, we worked with the tool author. Have you guys heard of Gap before? Uh, I have not, no. Cool. So um, Gap is by a guy named XML Hacker. He's in the bug bounty and kind of uh, app hacking um, uh, app hacking kind of community. He writes a bunch of tools, but one of them is called Gap. And what Gap does is um, it basically uh, will parse all JavaScript, not only from JavaScript files when you see them through Burp, but also inline JavaScript, um, basically parsing out paths and routes um, from JavaScript files. So uh, this is things like relative URLs, you know, non-relative URLs, um, like concatenated paths with like you know plus signs and stuff like that between stuff. Has a really amazing regex. A lot of people use a tool called Link Finder to do this. Um, it's very common, but it's on the command line. XNL Hacker has built an extension in Burp called Gap that does it automatically, and its power is that most of those other tools are just looking at .js files. His tool will look at all inline JavaScript. Um, and so it'll, it basically tells you all the paths, which is a tremendous amount of advantage when you're in bug bounty hunting. Now, he added our hunt data, our sus parameters, into Gap. So now there's another section in Gap that pops up and it says, hey, on this page, we saw this parameter, or on this request, we saw this parameter. You might want to check it for this type of vulnerability. Um, so we worked with him to put that in his tool. Um, and so it'll be right inside your burp suite. So that one was also really dope. Um, you know, it's more of like a data research project, but I've had so many people tell me that it helped them kind of like learn uh, contextually where vulnerabilities are and like how to look for them mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So yeah, I, that I word mean, again. yeah, context, but also, right. Like we always talk about that spidey sense, right? Like you were looking mm -hmm. at code. It's the same sort of thing, right? Yeah. Like yeah. we look at code and we see something we're like, Ooh, that's yeah. weird. Right. Yeah. But it all, it all comes back to, Function names, parameter names, variable yep. names, right? Like yep. the way the way a code yeah. block looks is structured, you know, like yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Comments, whatever it is, right? Yeah. Had a long conversation uh, at Texas Cyber Summit about that, about how some some similarities between how the human brain works when it comes to because that's what really what it, it is, right? Pattern analysis and mm -hmm. then anti-pattern recognition. Um, it's a lot of that and that part yeah. of the brain, that's that one specific bit is the thing I think LLMs are starting to replicate. So, uh, it's pretty interesting to, to just pattern recognition and, and whatnot and similarities. Um, yeah. so anyways, it's interesting to hear because from an attacker perspective, seeing what routes are available, seeing what parameter names, you know, like, and having this, the data to to kind of provably say, hey, the probability of these classes, classifications of vulnerabilities in these parameter names is like uh, risky, so I'm going to test it. But from a, from like a defensive standpoint, just having the knowledge of what those markers, uh, you know, are and what they they should look like, and then um, what to throw at those those things, uh, yeah. you know, based off of what classes of vulnerabilities. It's all very very super interesting. But again, I, I think it's. Uh, you mentioned context. I think it's yep. building upon the context of the application you're, you're working in. So anyways, I we really could spend the entire re remainder of this episode <laughs> and then three more hours, four more hours just going nonstop on that. So I don't no, no worries. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, that, but, it's, but it is. It's all very interesting because I think why I'm saying this is I do see this security shift where uh, 
there's this recognition of what's actually, and, and I was having this long, long conversation with Andrew Wilson. It's a similar conversation I'm having with you guys where yeah. he, he was, he's trying, he's writing a thesis where he's trying to understand how the human brain performs that pattern recognition when it comes to testing, like pen testing mm-hmm. specifically. Um, and anyways, it's all pretty interesting. I think there's recognition that like there are parts of our brains that are like doing things in a certain way and we can, we, we should as an industry move in a different direction than what we've done previously um, to secure things. But anyways, that's just going off the rails there. So I'll bring it all back the, in. The whole future of methodology, the way we test, um, the tools that empower us to do our testing is going to change with with the advent of consumer level AI right now. Um, it's already changing my testing methodology. Like, uh, you know, I talked to you about the, you know, whenever I see an API now or I have like, you know, JavaScript with like routes of API calls in it right now, I feed it to a custom, you know, script that I have that parses it with um, ChatGPT4. It will spit out all the routes for me. It will tell me which ones require authentication, which ones don't. Um, it will, based on the susparam data, tell me about which vulnerabilities I should test. For that, it cross-references with uh, the framework that it's built in and gives me like a little cheat sheet as to like input injection vulnerabilities with that specific framework. And I have to write that giant context, that system prompt, right? Um, and I have to set the temperature. But after I do that, it's my oracle for testing. So, yeah. Do you, yeah. are you using, sorry, to, yeah, I don't want to, I don't know what, we, there's no agenda. So, you know what, I'm, I'll ask, are you <laughs> yeah. using yeah. anything like LangChain or uh, uh, are you using your own vector database at all to like contextually uh, compress and retrieve documents or is it just uh, kind of building out the prompts, setting the temperatures, the model names and all that, and then so passing, I... it, <clears throat> passing it along? I was going down that route of building my own link chain instance and um, putting everything in there. And but uh, I actually like halfway through that, there was many consumer tools that came out that are hosted in the cloud that can keep that infrastructure up better than I can, um, who are better at AI than I am, at least at a code level. I'm really good at prompt engineering and security, but um, not necessarily the data science part. Um, that comes along with AI. And so I have been using a front end called Typing Mind. Have you guys heard of this before? No. This indie developer, um, and he built a front end for chat for the ChatGPT API, which includes the option to upload files into uh, a vector database. Ooh, nice. And um, and so I can build the persona, store, store the system prompt persona, set the temperature for the API, do custom coding, enable plugins through his front end, and then upload documents to that specific persona, and it will query, you know, those words first in the, you know, in the chaining. So. Okay, so this sounds like base plate, which I, I don't know if you've seen that one. I've used base plate uh, yeah. before, yeah. and that that's like a super simple way to to get up and I say super yeah. simple. None of it's super simple, right? But it's yeah, yeah. it's simpler than like you said, maintaining infrastructure and all that. And it was yeah. like I actually recommended in that talk I gave last week at Texas Cyber, Cyber Summit that people start there. Because to your point, like it's it gets a bit, it gets yeah. a pair pretty heavy. And if you yeah. can like start with something like that, it gives you a better understanding of at a high level what's going on before you really start to delve into the weeds. Also, there's yeah. this other one I wanted to run by you too, called uh, I saw this. Oh, sorry, I put streaming in there. But anyways, it's called Magentic. Uh, definitely uh, pretty cool because it 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 makes it, basically you use decorators to specify bits of your code that you want to. 
oh that's cool do whatever like it yeah yeah it's pretty neat so yeah i mean um i will go back to building my own infrastructure pretty soon but uh in in the case i needed it it was good enough to use typing mind um the first thing i needed it for was um so for buttobot uh we do a lot of adversarial emulation as well as simulation and so for the emulation stuff i wanted i had this dream in my head of being able to feed an llm breach articles on an industry and for it to parse all that out into a MITRE attack path and TTPs related based on MITRE attack um, so that we could make sure that we were hitting the right notes in the emulation for the customer we were working with. And so that I was able to do just with a typing mind. So I kind of abandoned doing my own thing like really quickly. Um, <laughs> and so like I just have a script that pulls down all the articles about any threat actor or any attack against an industry, and then it will aggregate that and turn it into a plan and just to make sure that we test those things. Yeah. That is so awesome. Yeah, man, like that. Cause so I, I really do like the idea of just getting started very quickly with something like that, because if you were to tell someone like, how do you like, how do I get started? And they, they've got to like, okay, I don't know about you, but when I was going down the rabbit hole of trying to like figure out how this all works and everything, it was, ridiculously bad because what what has happened or seemingly happened from my perspective i don't know if this is true but it seems like because ai is so hot and people want clicks there's about a billion articles and videos that are all surface level don't really do much don't really dig into the weeds but like it's like the same code snippet with maybe a little bit of a, a change here and there and it, it's just all so cursory they never really get into the weeds or they, the articles do, but it's very hard to sort through all of that stuff to find good articles that, that are actually helpful. What was your yeah. experience digging in here? Was it similar or was it easier? Learning the AI or finding or finding the security data? Which one? No, no, no. Learning AI, like oh. the material to yeah. actually do yeah. it at a more comprehensive level than, you know. Yeah. Like a, like, yeah. It is. You're right. It is very, you're very drowned in like, ah, like use use this prompt to like do this thing right and it's like okay that's not the level i was looking for um uh i, I mean i just found like some creators it sucks that like the whole world's on youtube you know that's a that's a place to learn but i found most of the creators i was looking for talking about Langchain and some of these tools as well on youtube um i am also blessed to know some people like dan meisler and dan and i talk every week just as friends but we often end up talking about ways to use AI to uh, expand research or um, or security or, or anything really. Dan's more in the kick of using AI to change the world uh, at a fundamental level and how we learn and interact as humans. I tend to focus more on security. Um, you want to hear another cool one? Uh, He's so, more philosophical. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the uh, the uh, the one I'm working on right now has a whole um data set of both transcribed from youtube and hard documents um that i filled up with basically what i call like the open sock stack right so things like zeek and uh moloch and canary os query securata yura Graylog, velociraptor all these open source defense detection engineering sock tools um and 
I ask it to create, I ask AI to create based on the TTPs that we have for the threat actors now, open source rules and strategies using the OpenStack uh, security data. And it does a fucking fantastic, oh, I'm sorry, I cursed on your show, my bad. Dude, uh, don't it, fucking worry about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it does a fantastic job of getting you started. Now, will it give you something you're going to run in production? No, but it gives you a fantastic idea of you know, how you should defend against different attacker strategies. Um, and this will be uh, the next version of some of our reports, actually, in our red team reports. We want to go beyond just throwing up a, a red team report on your desk and being like, okay, you know, we're done. We want to give you all of the ammo, at least, I mean, I want our defense and detection engineering sections to be longer than the vulnerability report in our red team tests. Yeah. Um, and that's where we're going for, for our stuff at Butterbot. Dude, that's, yeah. I, I mean, it, honestly, cool. this is exactly the discussion that Ken and I have been having over the last, you know, couple of months around AI is that, yeah, it does. it's not going to replace us. It's going to make us better and it's going to speed up, you know, getting to the point that we need to like generate that, that sort of content, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, to that point, right? Like that's one of the discussions that we've been having internally is like, beefing up the recommendation section on a code review on like, you know, the pen test reports and using yeah. AI to do that because the recommendations that come out of there oh, may so not, they're bad, right? Yeah. Yeah. Bad. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, so, I yeah. Mean, it's good. It's yeah. good stuff. It's, it's a whole new world where, I mean, if you think about it, we didn't have this seven months ago, right? We are very much in the infancy of what this can do. We're yep. still consumer AI land, I like to call it, right? It's it's everybody's getting their hands on it, figuring out how it works. Just wait, wait a year. Wait to see what defensive technology, you know, like code auditing looks like, offense looks like in a year. I'm I'm super excited. It's gonna be great. Yeah. Dude, yeah. I well and this, I got put yeah, in touch this is the with... recommendation. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say that was the recommendation was like if you're not starting to look at it, you need to be, right? Yeah. Because in a year we're gonna you're gonna be left behind if you're still doing the same thing you were in twenty twenty two. Yeah. Just yeah. yeah. Ken, sorry about that. Oh no, actually, um I forget what I was saying. I, I forget what I was saying. Um oh you're on. Yeah, no, that's mm, all right. So actually let me let me just because there was a statement in the chat that this isn't what I was going to say, but since it's since uh, we're looking at it, it says uh, AI suggests vulnerable libraries very often. Um, this was my response. I said depends on what a lot of factors, right? Not just your LLM, but what embeddings you're using and what model names you're, or model types you're using, what prompt prompt technology you're using, what chains you're using, uh, how you're vectorizing your data. It, there are such it, so you know. It, to, to say, like, because the question was, you know, while I'm on chat GP3, chat GPD 3.5, which LLM are you on? It's not really um, a thing of, so first of all, I've, I've experimented with multiple LLMs, but um, I think that, that here's what, I, here's what my hypothesis is, and I don't know if this is true, but whenever I see criticisms of, of AI and LLMs, when I dig into it, it's usually uh, I went to the website. I tried using either ChatGPT in the like, you know, what they give on the screen, right? Uh, as well as maybe some of the APIs of some something like OpenAI or mm -hmm. Bard or something like that, right? But actually, I don't think I've met anybody who's done much with Bard. But anyways, that's usually what it is. Whereas there's this whole other thing that needs to be said, which is there's a whole world out there, as Jason just said, that's like you know seven nine seven to nine months, and it's and it's 
it's we're in our infancy and there's all these tool sets being built and all these different options that you you have to like piece together all these different components and so that's what you should be focusing on if you want to if you want to understand llms but also if you want to um try and refine your data set to get the right answers so if you i guess what i'm trying to say is if you go right to a website and start typing things in expect correct answers you're doing it wrong totally doing it wrong um, there's a lot that you have to do on your end to make those accurate, those answers more accurate to include providing feedback when you receive those answers on, on, you know, how well they responded as well. So scoring and, and all that. So anyways, there's a lot that goes into it. It's a complicated, it's a, it's a question that you've asked and that has been asked that is a very, you know, complex answer or nuanced answer. So it's, what do you, what do you guys think on that? It's definitely, um. It's definitely why we're not out of a job anytime soon, right? Because we can, yeah. we still carry a lot of the context. And if you think about the data sets the LLMs train on as well, it's the publicly available data, but not all context and creativity of the human race has been captured on the internet, right? Where it got its data set. So we're not out of a job or anything like that. But how do you mitigate how do you how do you mitigate against something like that? Well, you give it all the context in the world. In the system prompt, you tell it that you're a security expert who cares you know, about, you know, finding the answers to the security questions I'm going to ask you, as well as you pay special attention to libraries that, you know, don't have vulnerabilities, you know, using frameworks that are secure by default, um, you know, focus on input validation, output encoding, like you set the context for the bot that you want, and then you ask it the questions, and then you always validate, always, always, always validate at the end, you never use raw. Um, if you just go to chat GPT, and you're like, hey, like write this piece of code. It's going to do the same thing that any human would do. It's going to get the data that was from Stack Overflow, right? Which yeah. is, you know, 90% of the Literally, time yeah. using vulnerable code, right? But if you tell it, hey, you're a security expert, you focus on React, you know, here are the common things that are wrong with React based on my context. Here are the things I'm looking for in this code. Here are some examples. Here are some libraries that we choose to use a lot of times for security. You feed it with some documents, some presentations about React security. And then you ask it, you're like, okay, let's write a piece of code. It's like, it does a pretty good job, honestly. Yeah, that's how chains work, right? You yeah. you retrieve the contextually relevant information from your database, which is your vector database. It's returned in the form of what they call documents, but it's basically snippets, just like Jason just said. And then you feed in the top. You can you can fiddle a lot with that too. Like how many documents do you want to return? You know, what, what amount of similarity, like what's the metric for similarity search? There's a lot of different little variables that go into that. And so you can tune as you wish to get right back the right information. And then it's literally chaining those retrieved, that retrieved bit of information on top of the LLM so that it looks at that piece of information first before it answers the question using its own data set. And then there's some other bits. There's a lot of other nuances that go there, but yeah, it's very, very flexible. Very, uh, yeah. and, and also Jason, I was going to mention this. So this is what I had forgotten. I was going to say is like, I was sent, I was telling Seth this kind of more privately, but I was sent, you know, you get it, you get it through advisors and whatnot. You get like contacts. So I went to about three different deep learning, machine learning, uh, neural network experts, and mm -hmm. all of them had the same thing happen to them, which was they went down this road, like in the mid 2015 2016 started down the route got pretty far it was okay what they built you know hired one guy had hired a couple phds um all this great stuff to build their own ml uh, and deep learning and then um you know chat gpt came out and then all of these other tools these this ecosystem of tool sets around lms and then the explosion that we've seen and so what's kind of 
interesting is that all three experts were like ditching what they were already working on had already built because they're like, it's not as good as what's now available. And also they are themselves catching up on what tool tool chains are uh, in this ecosystem available to tool chains that are available in the yeah. ecosystem to build this stuff. So it, it's, it's, it's really the, the early days. And, and yeah, I mean, spicy take is all the, all the professionals in machine learning and AI that I know who are uh, like academic focused, they hate it. They hate it because they work, they worked for 15 years to do something special. And then OpenAI came out with a consumer level version of it and bypassed all of that immediately. And it's not the way they thought the world would play out. Mm -hmm. um, and they refuse to accept that it can be valuable too in a lot of cases. I've met security people, um, a lot of security people who are like, who are like, it's trash. And I'm like, I can prove to you it's not trash. It's changing the world right now. Yeah. Like, I don't know how you were. No, it's trash. It's like, you know, like it's, it's not doing it the way it's supposed to be doing it. It gives like, you know, a lot of feedback is it gives you errors. You can't yep. trust it. That's like humans give you errors and you can't trust humans, but we oh make that God. work every day. Like, you yeah, know, thank like, you. Thank um, you. How about your SaaS tools? Or your yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Those fucking are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I met, I, I don't want to put him on blast, but I met this really, really, really influential, famous hacker I look up to at the Black Hat CISO. Some of this, I was sitting at the same table with him. And I was talking to him about some of this research I was doing. And he just poo pooed on AI, on consumer level AI for like 30 minutes. And I'm like, dude, listen, man, like, I respect you and I, I think the world of you, but you're wrong. Like, this is, this is changing the world. And, in in ways that I can prove to you right now, it's making security better. It's making the world better. Um, and I'm I'm sorry that it's not the future that you saw for ML and AI. Um, and I'm sorry that it's not perfect in the way that you want it to be. But um, like you got to get with it, man, because you're, you're gonna miss the boat. You're gonna miss the boat. Yeah. 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 You take advantage I, of the the of the hype cycle when it happens, right? Yeah, like yeah. you know the improvement just over the last to your point, like just over the last two to three months has been amazing. Like think about where we're going to be in a year. And if, yeah, if you're that tied to a specific model or specific like ML process, yeah. because it was academically like whatever sound, it, yeah. you're going to be left behind. Right. Yeah. That, that's it. Yeah. Wow. And I'll say this though, even if you're not, even if you're not uh, going to use it for like anything functional, you should, you should, as a security practitioner, definitely start digging in. Cause like even that, uh, what is it? Magentic or whatever I put in there, that's specifically so that web apps can start like easily building LLM. So where, hear me out here. If you're in an app, in an app sec or prod sec role, whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah, you're probably going to come, uh, across this. And, uh, so why am I saying this? Because as I have built, um, more tooling around AI, dude, it's actually funny. Cause like I start realizing, Oh God, that's a, there's like a potential for a security issue there. There's a potential for a security issue there. So some, same thing as whenever you write code in like a language or you start building a web app in a certain framework, yeah. like you start to learn all the like dark corners and you become kind of yeah. um, really knowledgeable in, in where things can go wrong just from, from having built in it. And it's the same thing with AI. So I'd encourage folks to just, even if you think it's horseshit, like prove it, like go use it. And then, uh, you know, teacher. And by the way, next week, Seth, I'm going to be at Olas yep. Nova, where 
uh, <laughs> yes, just start using GIVs. Uh, I'm going to be at OWASP Nova. I'm going to walk through some of this with code samples. So maybe I'll uh, share on this podcast. Uh, yeah. That stuff and, I, yeah. No, no. That Yeah, that would be amazing. Because I think there's just, a, you know, a general interest in how how someone in the security space, especially security engineers, haven't dealt with AI before, like how they can start using it, right? They have that consumer, oh, I go ask ChatGPT a couple of things. But um, taking that next step is I, I, I'm seeing a lot of, you know, mid-level junior people as are like in the space, just not know where to go. Right. Not, not know where to start with it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, by the way, I'm oh, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jason. I was going to say, even if you step back away from security, right. I'll, I'll give some very personal examples. So um, one of my kids was having some mental health issues um, over the past year. And uh, we had been to like a whole bunch of specialists and, you know, you never want to take AI's advice for medical stuff. Right. Um, but it has trained on the whole corpus of, you know, human writing on the internet, right. That data set up to 2021. 20, and there were just a, a whole bunch of terms that these doctors kept on using, that I had no freaking clue what were when they were talking about mental health with adolescents. And so I wrote the whole context uh, without personal data about what we were going through. I obfuscated it, uh, to a level I felt comfortable with. And then I started asking it as a trusted advisor and a di diagnostician, diagnostician, you know, like what they thought about this, what these terms meant, what the different treatment options are that the, you know, the doctors were telling us about. And it walked me through exactly what everything was. Like, like here's a concrete example. I didn't know what an inpatient versus outpatient youth-based mental health program looked like for an adolescent. I had, no, I had no idea what that looked like. So I asked it. I gave it all this context. And I said, what does that look like for this age range? And it walked me through it day to day. Here's what your child will experience. Here's what like it'll do. Like, you know, here's the benefits. Here's the drawbacks, like all this stuff. And that made me and my wife very comfortable with the process of what was going. And we didn't have to go to the doctor to ask them those dumb questions. We asked the AI and it had trained on descriptions of what this kind of stuff was like. So there's that. Other concrete examples for sysadmins, I use ChatGPT on the daily to drive PowerShell scripts for red teaming. Like it writes some badass PowerShell scripts. Like it knows PowerShell inside and out because the data has been out there for years, right? So when I need to do stuff with red teaming that invokes certain processes or keeps things in memories or just does simple operations to extend Cobalt Strike or any C2 that I'm using, it, it can help me with that instantly. It is amazing. Mm -hmm. So so two concrete examples of, of how I've used it for different stuff. Yeah. And that, I mean, in the chat, right, like somebody was asking about uh, smart IDEs, right? And, you know, it, it goes to that, right? Like just, uh, we've talked about Copilot a whole bunch, right? Which yeah. is, you know, it's just a code LLM is what it boils down to. Um, and it gives you code completion. It'll build stuff for you. Um, that's already changed, like personally, my like daily life on how I code because I've become super dependent on that for, hey, I, it's speeding me up. It's not writing the code, like all of the code and completing it, mm -hmm. but it's giving you enough of the context to actually use it, right? Like to actually, you know, speed up my life and make it easier to, to generate what I want to do. And to your point, like the PowerShell stuff is there. I know talking with uh, friends in like the medical space as well, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. exactly what you're speaking to, right? The recommendations that come out of it, it's very similar to what, what we're seeing there, right? Like, oh, you know, what sort of drug would you recommend if you were an expert in, you know, in actually like 
whatever space that is. Yeah. And it, you know. Yeah. yeah. And in, those, in yeah. Those, those scenarios, you have to be triple checking everything. Mm-hmm. And again, it's trained on the corpus of human knowledge on the internet. So, um, you know, I read this great contextual article about uh, diagnosti- diagnosticians using it in the medical field, but then some intern coming straight out of college, having read some paper somewhere that wasn't in the data set recommending a, a treatment that wasn't in it and it wasn't in its list. And it's like, yeah, of course, like we're, we're still the ultimate authorities. We're still coming out with the new research. You know, we're not to the point yet where, well, a couple of new research pieces have come out from AI, but we're not to the point where this thing is running everything yet. It is what I call it as a trusted advisor, an Oracle, maybe a super intern, um, but it's not, it's not something you need, you need to take at face value or is Skynet yet. So. Yeah. Yeah. I will yeah. say like my engineers that, you know, we all, we've all yeah. kind of embraced uh, using Copilot and the IDE, but uh, we were actually have, we had a, a team summit last week and, and uh, we are all sitting in this conference room and we we're just, you know, writing code talking and uh, we got on the subject and everyone was like, Oh yeah, it's pretty great. It's to a degree, but at the same time there, there's these weird things that happen where, and I've experienced this too, where the code looks so correct at first. You're like, yeah, okay, autocomplete. And uh, then you go to run it and there's like some something that's off and it actually yeah. becomes pretty hard to troubleshoot because when you write every line of code yourself and you're yes. thinking through what it's doing, it's one thing when you're just kind of like, oh yeah, that paragraph of code looks about right. That yep. block of code, cool. Yep. And then you're like, oh shit, I didn't, I don't like what's going on here. So sometimes it yep. can actually make troubleshooting a little bit more difficult at first. Yep. That having been said, you know, still does help obviously I mean, I mean, like to, to be honest you're like me and you navigate oh go ahead no go ahead no go ahead sorry 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 no, no i was just gonna say if you navigate if you're like you know if you're a polyglot right you're navigating through yeah. a lot of different code it's pretty nice to just be like i don't remember how to do this simple <laughs> thing in this language like what's yeah. the thing way to do that with an array or an index or whatever it might be yeah my my methodology well a couple points there so one is uh one is when i'm writing code yeah sometimes on in certain cases, I will try to write some code with ChatGPT, uh, ChatGPT's for API, and it'll happen exactly like you say. It'll look great, and then I'll try to run it, and I'll actually spend more time debugging the AI code to work the way I want it than I would if I would have written the code myself. But people get stuck on that one experience, and they don't realize that eight times out of 10, though, it writes perfect code for what you need. Yeah. Um, they get stuck on that one experience of like, well, it didn't didn't write this function the way I wanted to, and it aired out, and it took me two hours to fix it. And like, okay, but like in, in general, it's it's helping. And then the other one is that the methodology I'm trying to design it in my head as we go because I've never written it down. But the methodology I use when I write code is is um, I speak into Word, um, so like the text editor because it has an excellent library for voice to um, to text. And I describe what I want my code to do in as much detail as I can. I feed that to ChatGPT with some specifications about what technology I want to use. And I make sure at the end, I want every function and every call commented as to what it's doing. Um, And I want debugging at every section of the code. And that's how I start a code project with ChatGPT. And then when it does invariably have that situation, it makes it infinitely faster for me to go debug where the issue is. Oh, interesting. No, you know, that does make sense. I can understand that completely. Wait, wait, wait. So logging and monitoring are an important thing, Jason? Is that what I just heard? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. I I just have to bring it back to that every single episode. 
<laughs> we got the Crocs and socks up in the right hand corner there for you. Yeah, 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 there you go. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> it's over your tile on my screen. So, yeah, same here. It belongs. We're all good. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Well, okay. We've been going for an hour. Uh, Jason, we're going to have to have you back on. I know Aaron was going to reach yeah. out to, you know, schedule some other time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would love to actually do some, maybe some demos next time of, um, you know, like, like this was ad hoc, like we've talked about a lot of this, but especially on the AI side, you know, there's, I'm getting a lot of requests again, like I said, from junior mid-level people on, okay, so how do you use that? Like, what would be the structure to do this? Is it something like TimeMinder that you're putting files in there to set the temperature and like what we're actually meaning there? It would be, you know, if you're up for it, right? Like, we'd love to have you back yeah. on to talk through that and demo yep. some of it. Yeah, I mean, okay. I'm, I'm a... I'm down for it. Um, I mean, if you guys want to get into the weeds, though, you need to get Daniel on the show. Um, yeah. Like, whatever I am, Dan is like 2x um, based on usage and design. And he's also the most masterful prompt engineer I've pretty much ever seen, everyone I've talked to, in building any type of things. And then he rigs them up to, you know, APIs that he can use from the Linux command line. It is fantastic. So I would also suggest him for some of this. Okay. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah you we'll know, we've had requests to 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 have him on, so I'll reach out because okay. you know, it, yeah, definitely want want to have him on. Yeah, yeah, cool, sweet, yeah, sweet. we did. It. I sweet. thought we did have Dan on at one point, but uh, we, we, yeah, we did to do it again. That again, yeah. that was within the first fifty episodes, right? So yeah, yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's been a few years at this point. Yeah. So yeah. Um, Sweet. Well, uh, Jason, thank you so much for joining us today. I do want to be cognizant of your time. I know we're all busy. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, is there any place like, are you going to be at other like meetups yeah. or conferences? Yeah. So um, let me, let me check real quick. So, uh, so the next like public con, so I'm, I'm keynoting uh, Microsoft Blue Hat in a couple weeks. Um, Congrats. Thank you. Uh, so if you're going to be at Blue Hat, Blue Hat uh, come come say hi. Um, uh, after that, I think the next public one I'm doing, I'm doing a private conference where I'm talking, but I think the next one is SANS Hackfest in um, Hollywood. Um, and so that's like SANS, you know, like, uh, like kind of offensive um, regional conference. And I'm giving a talk there on reconnaissance for adversaries. Um, so that'll be the next one. I think that's in November. So I was hoping to see you guys at... Um, Texas cyber because I was supposed to be there, but I got the worst, um, basically, uh, sickness I've had in like, you know, years. So I, I, I really wanted to come out and see you guys, but, uh, didn't work. Yeah. It would have been fun. Yeah. No yeah. worries. Yeah. We'll, now, we'll, we'll find another one. Yeah. Yeah. Good. yeah. 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 So cool. Cool guys. Well, good. cool. Well, yeah. Thanks again for joining us today. Uh, and Ken, anything else that you want to bring up before we, you know, we call it for today? No, just a big thank you again. That was this is really fun. It was just nice to see you again. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice yep. to catch up. So, cool, right. cool. Well, we'll see everybody on online, I guess. Sorry, and yeah, have a good week. We'll talk all soon. Right. Later, everyone.